I'm back. It's Justin, Fully Live Athlete Pastor, and it is day five of reading through the Bible uh, in the online Bible club that we got going on here. I'm uh, very excited about all the guys who are saying they're going to ju- jump in. And so I want your comments, I want your um, questions and thoughts that uh, have uh, that this has inspired you with uh, in this journey. So this is a later in the day video. This is going to be more of a review. Hopefully you've already read the reading. But the reading for today is Genesis 13 through 15 and also Matthew chapter 5. And I tell you, these are some of the most important chapters uh, in the Bible. Uh, some of the ones I'm pretty familiar with already. Uh, because what you've got, and I, I mentioned yesterday that we'd talk a little bit more about Abraham, because we didn't really get into Abraham yesterday, even though we read Genesis 12, where Abraham is is introduced. So what you need to know as you're reading through 12 through 15, which is the very beginning of Abraham, is Abraham came from a pagan uh, family, a pagan background. Uh, his, his, you know, he's from Ur of Chaldeans at that area, uh, which is pre, uh, pre-incarnate Babylon, uh, and uh, known to uh, the commentary tells you it's, they're known for worshiping uh, all the creation, and and so he's just a regular guy who is uh, grew up in a family that, that didn't worship God, and what happens is he <laughs> encounters God. God comes to him. And calls him to leave his land, uh, leave his family behind, and go to a land that he's going to show him. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you a great nation, and you're going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And that's Genesis 12. And he obeys. He goes, and it, and it says that God counted it to as him um, counted it to Abraham due to faith as righteousness. So it's faith. Uh, whereas it's through faith that Abraham received righteousness. God accounted him righteous. And so faith means, hey, it's not him. It's looking to another for the fulfillment of these promises. And simply trusting and going uh, is, is what faith is. It's, it's resting in. It's receiving with open-handed gift that God offers to you. And that's faith. So faith is a receiving of a gift. Uh, so Faith is not a work, okay? So we talked about the covenant of works on the first day and how God has a covenant structure. And you're going to see that in this in this text. So Abraham gets this great, great momentum here. He's left his land to follow God wherever he goes. He's going to be a tent dweller. He leaves all, all of it behind. Takes his nephew Lot and uh, some people with him. And uh, and they go. And the first thing you see there is, is um, Abraham takes his wife, Sarah, and this is a, a kind of an absurd journey because they're so old and they, they his wife is barren and, and God said that they're going to be the ones who are going to be a blessing to the nations, to all the families of the earth, but they don't have any descendants and that's going to be the big big tension throughout the whole uh, Abraham story, which will go from 12 to 25 in Genesis. Well, get to 13, uh, there's a separation of Lot and Abram. Uh, and his name's Abram at the time. He'll he'll change to Abraham later. But Lot and Abram um, separate because their people can't get along. And so Lot takes the good land, which is by the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, on the plains there. And then uh, Abraham ends up in Hebron in the hills and uh, in tents. Well, 
So that's 13. There's the, it sets up this further tension that's going to occur later. 14, Lot gets taken captive in this war. And Abraham, or Abram, goes and rescues him. He, he you know, assaults these uh, kings and takes back Lot, his, his nephew. So there's a lot of stuff going on in 13 and 14. But the real jewel of these uh, chapters, which are all exciting, but 15, Abram asks God, well, how am I going to know that your word's good here? He needs reassurance. And, and so God says, look to the stars. If you could count them. That's how many descendants you would have. There are going to be so many. And that's just that's absurd to think of who this is. It's Abram and Sarah, or Sarah at the time. That's the couple, and they have no, no descendant. They have no natural-born son, and they're old. They're way too old for this. And that's the way God works. He gets the people who are too young, too old, uh, too weak, you know, not qualified, and he qualifies them. So what he does there is he says, Abram, go get the animals. Now, you and I might be thinking if God told us, go get the animals, like, what do you want to do with the animals? What's the plan? What's the point? Tell me, I need more information here. God, all he had to do was say, get the animals in Genesis 15. And what did Abraham do? He got animals and he knew what to do. What Abram did without being told, he took the animals and he cut them in half. He took the big ones and cut them in half, and he took some birds and he laid, he killed them and he laid them along, and made this runway. Okay, so half of the animals on one side, half on the other, and what this was was a, it was called cutting a covenant. You cut the animals, you're cutting a covenant. What you're saying, you're taking a self-maledictory oath, in saying that, uh, as as two people who engage in this covenant are going to link arms and they're going to walk through this runway with the parted animals between them and what they're saying between these two parties is an agreement if I break my word in this covenant then what happened to these animals should be happening to me that's a self-maledictory oath do you see what I'm saying that's a covenant a covenant is a bond in blood sovereignly administered we we're talking about with God here so what happens is Abram sets up the runway and falls asleep and then in his vision of what happens, his dream, God, represented by fire and smoke here, goes between the pieces. Abram doesn't go between the pieces. Sovereignly administered this covenant, God does, and he says, I'm going to keep my end of the bargain and your end of the bargain. How does he do that? Well, Jesus. Ultimately, it's going to be Jesus who will keep the righteous demands of his covenant and he will pay for our breaking of those demands and the, and the obligations that are upon us as being in covenant with God. So, like I said earlier, we're all in covenant with God. We're all tasked with being priests, prophets, and kings. We're all tasked with that, with that role, but we fall. Now, Fast forward to the, the New Testament. There's just so much going on here. This is the beginning of the greatest sermon in history, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus gathers his disciples and preaches to them. He begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are poor, poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are those who are, are meek, and, and so and so and so and so forth. Blessed are those who are persecuted. You know, it's just like the, the most odd descriptors for 
one who would be blessed or happy, right? Because it sounds like your life is destroyed, but those are the ones, the ones who are hungry for righteousness, the ones who are thirsty for righteousness, the ones who are, who are meek and lowly. They're going to be the ones who inherit the kingdom, inherit the earth. They're going to be the ones who are blessed. Okay, so that's, that's it says, hey, because that's the way of Jesus. And he says once he gets to the Beatitudes, he goes through uh, telling them that they're going to be light, they're going to be salt to this world, they're going to be enlightening agents for this world, they're going to be preservative agents for this world, they're going to be the ones who are going to be a blessing to the world. That's, that's right in line with Abraham's descendants. Those who have faith in Christ are going to be the children of Abraham who will bless all the families of the earth. How about that? And then you see the connection as well when you're talking about the law. Jesus didn't come to abolish the old covenant law. He came to fulfill it. That's what 5.17-20 through 20 says. Well, 21 through the rest of the chapter is what we call the six antitheses, right? So the, Jesus, and I'm, I'm going a little long here, but it's worth it. Pay attention. The Pharisees are known as the most righteous people in the culture. They're set apart. They're, they're a shade above everybody else, right? They keep the law seriously. And they make extra laws just to make sure that everyone knows they are keeping the law. Well, Jesus says, hey, as, it, as regards the law, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. And you might be thinking, well, how is that even possible? Well, it's ultimately going to come through faith in Christ. His righteousness received by you through faith. It's not just him dying on the cross, but in believing in Jesus, he is your covenant keeper. He's the one who, who goes through the pieces, and he's the one who's slain, the animal, the Passover lamb, for your sins. So he's the righteous priest offering the, offering the sacrifice, and he's the sacrifice lamb. Check it out. So he says, you think you're righteous? You think you're righteous must see the Pharisees? Well, let me tell you, their righteousness isn't all it's cracked up to be. Take murder, for instance. Everyone thinks, oh, wow, I haven't murdered anybody, right? I'm not a bad guy. Those murderers, they're definitely bad guys. Well, he says, well, the Pharisees, you might haven't murdered someone, but you haven't valued them as an image bearer. You, you call everyone else fools. You're proud. You're arrogant. And doesn't that match up with the, uh, the, with the Beatitudes? The arrogant doesn't have any place in there. The proud have no place in there. The poor in spirit are God's people. They're going to have the kingdom. So think about that. You really have to look at it and see these antitheses and how they show that if we were to keep the law, well, we can't. We have to fall on our, on our knees and trust in Christ who died upon the cross after completing his work of fulfilling all righteousness, which we read about yesterday in Matthew 3. So I'm going a little long. And I'm going to keep them short in the, in the future, but Matthew, the first few chapters, the first five, and Genesis 1 through 15 are such crucial books to understanding the overarching theme of the Bible, which I've said is the covenant. It's the covenant of works that we fell in and the covenant of grace whereby we receive all the blessings of Christ for us. It's the, we're either in the covenant of works and we're condemned or we're in the covenant of grace and we are accepted. And that's the gospel. It's through faith in Christ that we receive all of the blessings of the covenant. Okay, that's all I got for you today. Like it, please. Subscribe. Get in the reading club. Just uh, give me questions. Give me thoughts in the comments. I want to hear from you. It's going to be a great journey, and I hope that review is helpful for you. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care.